NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Hey guys, welcome to Kess and Juice, episode two. Uh, I'm Kevin Bieksa, clearly, and joining me is the 2011 ESPN The Body cover boy, <laughs> Ryan Kessler. Kess, what's up? Hey buddy, how's it going? Good, I'm going to have a lot of info to use for your introduction. Oh, throughout. I can't wait. I'm really excited for each week when I get to hear my new intro and, and I can't wait for next week. It's going to be a what? good time. What uh, we haven't seen each other since Toronto last week, and so what were you up to this week? Uh, spent uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday Christmas tree shopping. Basically, it was my kids think the bigger the Christmas tree, the more gifts they get. So <laughs> that's what my wife. That's what my wife thinks. The bigger I have the, a twelve uh, foot Christmas tree. That's seven feet wide, and you should have saw me trying to put this thing up. It was a disaster. I was sweating. I was swearing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then my wife thought we could decorate it right away. I'm like, no, honey, it's frozen right now. You got to let it thaw out. So then you let thaw out, string the lights. She doesn't like the lights, so I got to restring the lights. Yeah, you know, typical weekend at the Kessler residence. You've seen Christmas Vacation, right? completely like that that was what yeah. i was thinking when i was driving with this tree on top of the top of my car just ridiculous shitter's full bud <laughs> <laughs> okay a uh, preview of, of what we're going to talk about today uh number one the nathan mckinnon story so you kind of I'll, I'll read the direct quote a little bit later but basically alluding to the fact that he was going to take less money on his next contract negotiations to help his team win so We'll share your opinions on yeah, that for sure. Uh, to talk about hockey skills and and Kess, you've you visited a couple kids this week. I visited a couple last week, and we'll kind of briefly talk about you know development and what it kind of takes to get to the NHL. And and I watched uh, you watched some OHL games. I watched some AHL games. And yeah, there's, there's it's not one path. There's multiple paths you can take, and and but there are similarities between the kids that do make it to the NHL. And, and in my opinion, and we'll get more into this, but it's a big jump from league to league is a big jump. I, I was surprised how big of a jump it is from the A because when we were in the AHL together, it was the lockout year. So it was essentially a mini NHL league. It was a strong league. But I, I watched the games last week and I thought this is a big difference from the NHL right now. Yeah, and I, I even go down lower to the OHL and it's a, there's so many mistakes made during the OHL games. It's, it's, uh, between the OHL and the NHL, that's such a big jump. And then we'll talk about premeditative fights in the NHL. We we had a couple each ourselves over the years, and then there was the whole Carlson and Hoffman uh, attempt. I think it was a couple days ago, and we'll kind of share our thoughts on that. Is that yeah, is that sure. still prevalent? Is it not? And then holidays are coming up, so I thought we'd talk about maybe some of the stuff we've done over the years at Christmas time. Uh, you know, the hospital visits and some of the Salvation Army stuff. And we'll kind of talk about that briefly. Going up then, the Whistler. You are? No, I said you You always went oh, up the Whistler. Six, yeah. years in a, six years in a row. I was thinking more charity, but we could talk about the, some of the fun stuff we did too. Yeah, it might as well, right? Charity and some fun stuff thrown in there. Work hard and play hard, right? 
And then lucky us, pleasure's all ours, but Alex Burroughs is going to be joining us a little bit later for, I don't think the three of us have had a conversation at the same time, probably in a bun- in a couple of years, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I just hope we can, we can fucking understand them. There's no well, subtitles at the, on the radio station. <laughs> I, I got a translator right here beside me, just in case. So hopefully, he took his marbles out of his mouth. This will be a better show for us, I'm sure, than than number one. Okay, earlier this week, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, I played with him at a, at a World Championship when he was 18, 18, 19, just after his first season. Obviously, he turned into right now, in my opinion, one of the top three, if not the best player in the NHL right now with just how good he is. You can take over a game. It's fun to watch, like super yeah, entertaining to watch. Uh, because you had to go against him a lot too. So I'm sure he wasn't, wasn't fun to play with, with his speed and, and his size, but tough to defend. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to pump his tires too much. We're going to talk about kind of one of his quotes. He said this year, uh, I'll read you the exact quote. I was just excited to get paid that much money at such a young age. Obviously, it's pretty team-friendly contract now, but I was worth that at the time. I have no regrets. We have guys that we wouldn't otherwise be able to bring in. On my next deal, I'll take less again because I want to win with this group. So what he's kind of referring to is his contract right now is is super team-friendly. He's a 6.3 AAV over seven years and is in year four right now. So just to give you some, some comparisons, uh, and like I said, and Kess, I think you agree with me. Like this guy's legit player, yeah. right? Like he's top top three I mean, in the league, right? Shit, I get paid more than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not even playing, and you get paid more than him. So McDavid is on a twelve point five a year for eight year deal. So McDavid's making double of what McKinnon makes. Eichel is making ten a year for eight more years. Sorry, for six more years. He's in year two of an eight year deal. And then Sebastian Ajo, who I have to bring in because that's Cole's favorite player. He's making he's making eight point four a year, so he's making two million more a year than McKinnon. So this is super super team friendly, right? And then this yeah, guy on top McKinnon, of that, or besides uh, McDavid, he blows those other two guys out of the water. I believe. I think he's night and day as as a guy you want to bring in to to be a franchise player. I'd I'd one hundred percent take McKinnon. And is he half as good as McDavid? Right? No, no, exactly. So. It's it's a great I, – I love it, though. I love that he wanted to take less money. We, I mean, I know I said the same thing. Burr said the same thing when we had that uh, – when we were up and, and guys were asking us this question. And I remember getting a call from the NHLPA saying that I'm not allowed to say that kind of stuff because yeah. uh, it, it uh, lowers guys' values or some bullshit that they gave me. Um, and then, well, it, I mean, it's a hometown right? discount. It's a comparison. So like, you know, we have, we have, I think the best agent in the business and KO. And when we were up for contract negotiations, we got a comparison and a list of guys, Mm -hmm. usually, I don't think it was like 10 guys that are comparable to us statistically, you know, age, uh, what contract and everything. And obviously most of them were favorable for us. This, this would be a guy who would not only affect his own team, he'll affect everybody. Right. Like if anyone can, it's a trickle down effect, right? Yeah. Big time. So, uh, like, agents are hating this, and other GMs are loving this. This NHLPA is hating it too. Absolutely. And did you ever do that? Did you ever take less money? I'm not being a smart ass. Uh, uh, I I, don't, I said I would 
to the media. Um, at the time, I want to say I was paid fairly when I signed with the Canucks. And then I, was, I think I was maybe underpaid a little bit when I scored 41. And then I was way overpaid. <laughs> but yeah. remember when uh, Lou was talking, Luongo was talking about the hometown discount. And he's like, it ain't my hometown. Why am I taking a discount? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there were so many guys that the Sedins always took a discount. Like yeah, a slight, a slight one. I don't mean to be a hero, but I took a discount because I wanted to stay and Vancouver was only going to offer so much. It could have got more for the Islanders or Ottawa or Detroit, but I wanted to stay there. But today, like in the last five years, I haven't seen anybody like this make this kind of stance and say, especially in the media, I'm going to take a discount to stay with my team. Like kids don't think like that these days. Do no, they? no. I mean, I mean, look at Burr's contract, 30 goal score, 2 million a year for four years. Yeah, I know terrible agent. Sedin's terrible, terrible agent. agent. But like that's that's a hometown discount. That's that's taking less money to stay with the group and and think you can win with the group, right? Well, this is uh, what I like it. Well, so so McKinnon says this. So how about when Kale McCarr's up? How about if you're his agent and McCarr's up in one more year because he's a college guy. And now he has the pressure of taking a hometown discount. Or what if he doesn't? What if he takes like 10 a year for eight years and then you got McKinnon who takes another discount making like seven, five. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to stir the pot a little bit. It's, it's going to trickle down all the way through first line guys, second line guys, all the way down to seventh, eighth D to backup goalies. <laughs> like everyone's going to get screwed. <laughs> eighth D eighth defenseman will be playing for free on Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. You're not getting paid anything. McKinnon took a discount. You're not getting paid. See this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Let's, uh, that's interesting. We'll keep an eye on that one. I'm sure. I don't know if he's regretting his comment. Like he, it's one thing to, to say or to think it, but to another to actually like talk about losing all your, that was leverage. in the Toronto market too. Right. So that, that's knows where he it could it? be taken out of context. It doesn't seem like it was taken out of context by reading the exact quote, but. I mean, I mean, if that's what he wants, if he wants to win, you can't have your top players making top dollars. That's what I think. Well, the thing that I don't necessarily agree with that comment is you don't know where the cap's going to be. And like his next deal, I think, is in three more years. Who knows where the cap's going? What if the cap just explodes and gets up to $100 million and you And you sign a big-time discount say he makes like 8 million over eight years or something like that. And the cap just keeps going up and up. And now he goes from like a certain percentage of the, of the cap to like an even lower percentage. Like he, I don't know if he did himself any favors by saying that he could obviously just take a hometown discount, but not to beat this topic into the ground, you kind of let your cards out, right? You're not really keeping your cards too close to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nice beard. Thank you. Tongue and Need cheek. it when it's when it's twenty degrees outside. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow a beard too. We gotta do a, our next our next podcast. We gotta somehow show video, show your beautiful guest house. Next topic. Let's do it. <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about uh, two of the kids you've been keeping an eye on. Uh, sh- shit. So I I went all the way out to Kingston. Never been there before, but uh, I watched this kid Shane Wright. Knew nothing about him. Went out with uh, my agent, 
and uh, watched him play. And, and this kid is is the real deal, man. And, and just talking to him afterwards and, and talking to his coaches. And I just I've watched him twice now. And he's he's going to he's going to be a, a captain, one, probably one of the best captains in the NHL. And that's bold. That's a bold. He's, he's 15. He's an underager, right? He's the first he's underager. Leading, in... He's leading Kingston right now. Like he plays over 20, 22 minutes a night, probably. He's on power play penalty kill. This kid looks like man amongst boys out there, too. It's it's unreal. What's your role going to kind of be with him? I'm just going to uh, mentor him. Like, uh, I, I, he has my number. He, he texts me whenever he wants. He, he vents. He, you know, I text him when he has a good game, when he has a bad game, when I see things he needs to work on. But to be honest, if he just stays on this path, he's, he's going to be a very, very good NHL player. And, and the other kid on the flip side, Cole, Cole Perfetti, he's his, uh, his, his uh, processing speed and his hockey, hockey IQ is, is stupid. Uh, the first time I saw him, I don't think he played that well. He, he took a puck in the face the game before, and I think he was a little gun shy. But the second game I saw him, uh, I was impressed. He, uh, he's going to be a good NHL player too. And, and his draft year is this year. So he's, uh, you know, these kids, they put so much pressure on themselves to, to make it to the NHL, to get drafted high. Every kid, doesn't matter what level you're at or what age you are, you're putting pressure on yourself to uh, either it's the junior or the Olympics or the NHL draft or the OHL draft or they're in the minors and they want to bring get called up. I, you know, for me, I just I, I want them to have fun and enjoy the process. I think when they make the jump, they, they all just got to work on their speed, their strength, their, the intangibles. That's what no one has anymore, right? They, they don't have the intangibles, the – the gritty, the gritty, um, the grittiness, the block shots, the the effort, night in, night out. That's what you you tend tend not to see in everybody, right? Yeah, way to just take over the show there for the last ten minutes. Sorry, couldn't couldn't get a word in. My bad. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'll have a little nap. No, I think <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Like, I I didn't have a guy like this. And I think our, our agents at the forefront of, of getting, you know, you and me and, and, and Adam foot and, and ex NHLers and kind of current NHLers to kind of be a, you know, a mentor to these kids, not maybe not a mentor. Like it's not like we're taking them under a wing and showing them everything, but being like a vessel to, to vent to, or to, you know, ask, well, what, what, what do you think I should do? Like, you know, my coach took away my PK and, you know, you think I should talk to him? Like, just ask questions like that, right? Because I'm doing that for a couple of defensemen right now. Obviously, I work with the D, you work with the forwards, and it's huge for these kids. And for the most part, they're not really shy about asking, which is awesome. Like, they, they no. kind of want to learn. Exactly. And that's what I told Kurt. I'm like, I'm not really going to work with these kids as if they aren't engaged. They have to be engaged with me. I'm not going to waste my time and drive all over. Ontario or, or Michigan watching these kids or fly cross country if these kids don't engage and and want to get better and, and every single kid that I've worked with or wants to get better. We'll talk about intangibles like you said it's so being a good kid like being a good kid mm-hmm. or a good a good person that like that helps you that helps you succeed and get further in hockey but you know, that's kind of the thing that I think is the most, most important. Like you, yeah, you obviously got to keep getting better and speed and skill and all that stuff. But 
just being a good person and being coachable. And, and for me, always being honest with yourself, like not being a, a finger pointer when you have a bad game or you you know, you have a bad play and you're like, well, like that guy should have, shouldn't have turned that over that guy, like being honest with yourself and accountable and having somebody like you that can say, Hey, listen, like you, you, you kind of were low enough on that PK. Like that seam pass is your responsibility. Like that, I think that's the biggest thing for kids to, to, to make the jump from level to level, be honest with yourself. And then you can work on this stuff that you're deficient in. Right. Yeah. Like I told my son, um, who's only nine, if you stop learning at the game, if you stop learning and going to the rink to get better every time, you're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to succeed. You're, you're going to fizzle out and you're, and it, it goes for both of us. We both, throughout our career, we continue to, to learn, continue to work with skills coaches, skating coaches. And it's just we when – you, when you fizzle out, it's, it's because you stop learning. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things you need to, to have at this stage of, of anyone's career. It doesn't matter if you're 9 or 15 or 18 or 30. you got to keep, keep getting better. Stage fighting. Uh, like I think people understand stage fighting as, you know, you go on the ice and you look at a guy and you go, Hey, as soon as the pucks drop, we're going to fight here. And there's no chasing the guy around. There's no fighting that happens in the middle of the play or anything like that. So if that's what stage fighting is, have you ever had any stage fights? Cause I know I have. Well, you know, I think anytime I played Calgary, I think it was a stage fight with a Ginla. Um, I think Ryan Johansson, um, guy's a loser, but, um, <laughs> um, tell, no, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, I mean, when you talk about my friends and family and you chirp them and then, uh, decide to turtle, that's, that's a, it's not okay in my book, but apparently he slipped on a stick is what I heard, which I don't, I don't think he did, but the, he's, the he's our guest Carlson, next week. Next week. He's wait. our guest. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Can you fight through someone through the phone? I'm going to be the mediator and get him on just because it would be entertaining to get you guys to, to hash this out. And then you Can't become wait. best friends afterwards. Yeah, probably. That's, that's exactly what happens. I, I, I was in a lot of stage fights to tell you the truth. Like there's only, you know, when I think about it, there's only a few where like you're battling with a guy in the middle of a, a shift and then you just kind of look at each other and fight. Like most of my, my shifts were, you know, in retaliation somebody took a run at a teammate somebody's called me out or something and it was like off the face of you want to go yeah let's go because i love the square i don't know if you can notice yeah. but I, I love the square off yeah I do. it was one one of my advantages so you love I the loved, superman punch too i love the yeah superman wanna, throw the first punch coming in right everyone has a plan until they get hit mike tyson what do you but what do you think about the hoffman carlson thing like do you think hoffman does that to clifford or or cassian like, no, it's, it's, it's Eric Carlson. So if you look at both of them have zero fights though, to their credit. So it's, it's almost, it would, it would be an even fight, but hey, I think it, it's personal though. Right. It's, it's got to do with the wives is my understanding of it. Yeah. Right? That's what I think. And I, I don't even really want to talk about that. Cause I don't know all the details. I know enough and I don't really care to tell you the truth, but I, I think it's hilarious. Uh, I, I never did that. I never had something personal from off the ice kind of filter onto the ice and then try to go find a guy and fight him because of something. The one I'll tell you the one story I had, I don't even know if you know this, but uh, the worst loss I had in a fight in the NHL was against Tom Kostopoulos. 
I don't know if you remember this, but he yep. hit me. We went toe to toe in, in Vancouver. He hit me. It was so clean that I didn't even feel it. And didn't he knock ref- your tooth out? Oh, buddy, more than that. So the linesman yeah, after the nose. fight, I'm going to the box, and he's like, "No, Kev, you got to go to the dressing room." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, trust me." I'm like, "All right." So I get to the dressing room. My nose is sideways on my face. My tooth knocked out, and my by the time I get to the trainer's room and Bernie comes off the bench, my eyes closed. So that one punch was so clean. And so, so Dr. Wilkinson's trying to snap my nose back into place and he's doing that. And I don't even feel it cause it's, I'm concussed. Right. And then I go to the dentist till two in the morning. So anyways, more embarrassed than anything. Right. Didn't care about the, yeah. the damage, but just embarrassed. Right. I just got a mm-hmm. loss clean at home against the guy who I thought I maybe should have beat. So the next time we played them, Rick bonus comes up to me and it was before playoffs. And he says, I know you want retribution but you can't do it right now because we start playoffs next week they're out it's not the right time so i had to wait like eight months later to in vancouver it was the next season and he started the game i started the game and i said i just skated up to him before puck drop and i go hey costo i go we're gonna go right now and he goes yep no problem and dale weiss is lined up against them and as soon as the pucks drop weiser gets out of the way and we fight at center ice. I'm second in. And I come in and I hit him right off the bat, split him open for stitches. He leaves the game. So now, like, I'm kind of thinking, it's even, right? Like, he won one, I won one. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to all-star break. I'm in Disneyland for the first time ever with my kids and Katie. We're in the elevator going down in California Adventure Hotel to the uh, the park entrance. Who comes into the elevator is him, his wife, and his two kids. So the eight of us are in the elevator together, and we just kind of like laugh and go, hey, man, hey, man, shake hands. And then when we get out of the elevator, he kind of walks away with his wife and kids, and, and Katie goes, you know that guy? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the guy? Remember when I was in the dentist till three in the morning? She goes, that's the guy you fought twice in the last eight months. So for the most part, my, it was, my it was I don't have a – right? It wasn't like years after. It was right after you guys fought. I remember being like six to eight months after, but it could yeah. have been even could have been even sooner. But that's but, that's the way the league was back then, right? It was you had honor. If someone asked you to fight, you fight them. Like unless you had a broken hand, which you probably still would fight. Now, how about that Gabranson Hathaway incident where Hathaway spits on Gabranson and then he picks and chooses when he gets to fight him. Gabranson well, was chasing around all game. How about this? Just, Gabranson, I talked to him after that game. He Hathaway, when he spit on him, he spit in his mouth. It landed oh. in his mouth. <laughs> Would you not want to absolutely kill a guy? That I'd lose my mind. Mouth? You know, you know what was funny too? And then Hathaway after I'm listening to this his interview in the dressing room, and he's like, Yeah, like I was fighting one guy and then another guy came in, and I was fighting both of them at the same time, and then I think a third guy came in. So spit kind of left my mouth and happened to land on good Branson. That's how he explained it. He spit hopped ha- a loogie. <laughs> yeah. It left your mouth. Cause you spit on him. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the hawk, the loogie sound. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's just disgusting. I'd lose my oh, mouth. It's, spit on it's, me. Uh, it's the way the game is. No, you spit on anybody you want to, and you don't have to defend yourself. Yeah. But, he did. You're right. He picked and choose when he did it. And then it was like, and just pounded him into the ice, which was awesome. He seatbelted him too. Yeah, of course he did. I wasn't a big fan. 
Like just go toe to toe. So the old days, like even a guy like Matt Cook, who would play on the edge, when he would go over the line, I remember he squared off with with Sean Thornton in Boston and he took his lumps, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you you want to play like that. You want to do shit. Back in the days, at some point, you had to fight and not fight an equal. Like you can't fight an equal in the other team and do well. Like you have to fight somebody tougher than you and take Mm -hmm. your licks, I think, for it to be square. I got I got beat up so many times. Ian LaPerriere destroyed me. No. Just asked me to fight. That was even. I thought that was an even fight. I had a lot of lumps on my head. A mm. lot of lumps. He Did connected you? a lot. couple noogies? Yeah. You fought a couple tough guys. You fought uh, to Chuck, Big Walt. Yeah, he was strong, man. He was a mutant. You had some tough. You had to Ginla a couple times. Ginla, that first fight against Ginla was... Thank God it ended. He, if you watch that fight, the end of it, he almost connects with a right that probably would have ended my career. I just gave up on the fight, and he comes through with a right hand, and just like I could feel the breeze on my nose when it comes by. So he was probably at least twelve inches from my actual face, but he was really close to my nose. Who is your Who is your favorite guy? <laughs> Who's the guy you like enjoyed fighting the most, though? Uh, enjoyed fighting. Well, I mean, like you um, wanted to like beat him, like you wanted to beat the wheels off him. Uh, Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb question, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like too. I, I mean, I respected him though. He uh, he played the game the right way, even though he's tough too. Mine was a guy. Remember Aaron Voros? Yeah, he was my my guy. That he fuck fuck really he quick story. You. Really quick story. Like we have a mutual friend in common, the goalie coach for Calgary, George Sigalet. I'm at Jordan's uh, MS charity event in the summer. Voros is there. We're f- we meet each other. We hang out kind of, you know, in a group for the night, like all, like normal. And then the first time I play against the guy in Vancouver, we're skating out of the dressing room between the second and the third, the first and the second. And this guy just no referees on the ice yet. We're skating. Remember, we'd skate by the other team's bench yeah. to go mm-hmm. skate around. This yeah. guy chops me in the back of the leg hard with no referees on. So I turn around and I look at him and go, fuck are you doing? And he just goes, fuck you or something like that. So then we skate around and I am fuming inside. Like, like I've never been more mad. And I remember I'm starting the period and it's Getsy, Perry, and Bobby Ryan. And the puck gets dumped in and, and somebody has the puck behind their net and they're setting up a control breakout. And then I hear a, hey, and I look over and Randy's doing that stupid stupid sign he does with his fingers when he means like change yeah and bobby ryan's on the far side and he sprints across the ice and i'm kind of covering him so i'm like where the fuck's this guy going right like what's he doing and he skates right across the ice and i see voros with one leg over the bench so right away like wires cross i remember i dropped my stuff on the far blue line and i sprinted across the ice and tried to beat voros onto the ice and i threw a superman punch i missed him and i slid like a half a zone into the corner (laughs) Then I had to like get up and like skate back after him with no gloves on because <laughs> I wanted to get him before the linesman did, and then I beat the wheels off of him. So Those were the days, eh? Yeah, that was my favorite. So, but we don't we don't encourage fighting, no, at all. But yeah. what we do encourage, we enjoy is, it though. <laughs> what we do, <laughs> what we do encourage is giving around the holidays. So, I yeah. love the holidays, and I, and a lot of NHL teams do it the right way. Where they uh, they do usually a hospital visit is is close to the holidays where guys will dress up and 
Santa Claus outfits and bring gifts for all the kids. We did that for how many years? Yeah, my whole career. I mean, every organization I've been on, which is two, has has done it. You too. I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing to see the smiles on the kids' faces. I know it's cliche to say, but it uh, no matter what kind of mood you're in, it it, it you know to be able to give back and and put smiles on these kids' faces that you know are going through a lot. Um, you know, is always uh, you know having kids it makes it even you know more special to me well we did in van we would go to the children's hospital every year around christmas and then some of us would go like an extra visit or kind of on our own and then the twins actually you uh anonymously donated i think 1.5 million to uh like a new Each. ward a new pediatric ward yeah. in the children's hospital and didn't want anybody to know which is the coolest thing ever yeah. and the only reason mm-hmm. they went public with it is because the hospital thought if it went public that it would attract more donors. So then it went public. And, and then another thing, I think you did this, you and Andrea did this with us the one year we did that Salvation Army adopt a family where you you adopt like five families and you bring them uh, gift certificates, presents, and then Turkey dinners. And it's obviously less fortunate families. You guys did that, right? Yeah, we did that where they, where they give you a list and it's not, I mean, we bring them toys and stuff, but, but what they're asking for is socks without holes in them and winter boots or, or toilet paper or, or, you know, food. Um, it's, uh, we, we still do it. We, uh, adopt a family every year and, and it's good for our kids to see because, you know, our kids are well off and, and I want them to, you know, be able to experience it. And I want them to continue it with, the, with their families when they're, uh, when they're going on. We had a family. I remember the one year that we're from the Philippines and they just came over and they were both working maintenance on weekends, cleaning buildings. And I asked, I was talking to the guy, like he sounded like an intelligent guy. And he said, yeah, like I'm a doctor, like we're both doctors back in the Philippines, but we're not, certified to work here in Canada yet. So next year when our certification comes in and everything, you know, we'll be, we'll be doctors here and we'll be making good money. And we actually hope to do this for other families instead of you guys doing it for us. That's pretty so cool. I thought that everybody was, has their own story, right? Everybody has yeah. their own path. I thought that was so cool. And then in Anaheim, what they do here with the ducks and we did it. And I just got, saw the video the other day is they do the target shopping spree. So they bring all that school mm-hmm. from wooden floor. Yeah, exactly. From yeah. inner Anaheim, mm-hmm. it's a school. And I think the one year was all like choir, the choir kids. And they tell you, you got to spend $250 on a kid or something, but we all yeah, and then you match more. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but we, we would just it, buy the kid. Whatever. Yeah. And then they give them TVs at the end of it, which is pretty cool. They all get a TV. Yeah. You know, that was fun too. Um, yeah. Katie, Katie's my assistant here and she just wrote down wooden floor. Got it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My memory. See that plasticity center is working for me. You got to go that blood, eh? You've been, yeah, you've been hitting the head probably as much as me and you're getting your head worked on right now. Do you want to talk about that? That's, I think that's super cool. I have yeah. To I mean, yeah. I'm, I just, uh, I went to Orlando for six days. It's called the, uh, brain plasticity center. And, uh, I've, we, we know a couple teammates have been there, but, it was, it's very interesting, Kev. I think you should go, but you know, I, I have a problem with my short-term memory. I have a problem with 
starting a sentence and then forgetting what we're talking about or having like the tip of the tongue stuff, nothing major. Like I don't have symptoms, but you know, they go there, you do your, your testing and, and what they found is they confirmed every, every reason of why I have what I have is what I just explained. I have. And, uh, for, for me, it was, uh, very knowledgeable and they gave me an at at home program but move back what's crazy is the first two days just training my brain gave me symptoms so i was nauseous for two days and i had headaches for two days and then they say that's like when you work out a uh, weak muscle you're going to be really sore so yeah that makes sense so i mean i'm not fixed yet but you know i feel in a better spot than what i was so it's an ongoing process now. Like you have to, you have to go back. Yeah, I don't have to go back if I don't want to. But they gave me a uh, a program for at home with like iPad, you know, vision test and stuff like that. And and then they uh, they check up throughout the year. And uh, it's really up to me if I want to go back or not. Which obviously I'm going to. I'll go with you next time. I have to go to, I think it being preventative about it. Right. We, we've, we grew up in the era where it's just play, right. Don't complain. Like you, you want to be in the lineup as much as you can, right. If you're out of the lineup, you could lose your job. So we played through all this stuff and and, and guys still do today for sure. But if you're going to play through some of these head injuries, you have to get treatment afterwards. You have to at some point take care of yourself. And this, this is a good way now in Florida with this clinic that opened up. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, it definitely helped a little bit, I think. And, and from, I think I have one diagnosed concussion, but for sure, I've probably had 10, 15 undiagnosed concussions where, you know, Easily. your vision's blurry. Um, you know, you really don't have a headache, but you're, everything's kind of skewed. And that's going to this. This is, they told me that's the way I, I, realize I have a concussion is my eye vision or my vision is super blurry. So, um, you know, now it's just a track back to, to full health. They, they say I'm, I'm on the track back and we'll see. I had, I had three, same thing, three major concussions where it's, it's clear that it was a concussion. And then I had, yeah, same thing like 15 or 20 other concussions where, you know, you're concussed, but you don't, it's not enough where you say something about it. Certainly didn't miss any time with it. But then you didn't say anything. But I remember times coming home and especially when my kids were young and you know, when the kids are young and they're babies and they just kind of like swat you and swat you in the head and whatever. And I remember thinking like my head felt like mush and the next person that touches my head, it's going to explode. Like I used to feel that way. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's not talked about a lot and, and it's good that, you know, people are finally starting to talk about it. And, and uh, you know, I'm happy that I found this, this place, you know, I think it's going to do good for a lot of people. Say what you want about him and this guy, but uh, Carcillo is actually bringing a lot of awareness to head injuries and CTE. Yeah. He's actually gone to this place. Has that he? I just talked about. Yeah. He's, he's done so much. He's, you know, he's doing, doing the, the right thing about head injuries and trauma and stuff. So, well, that's good because we need somebody to kind of open the door for everybody. And then this will probably at some point, I'm sure become mandated by NHL, at least by the, the alumni, the alumni should at some point probably figure out a way to pay for all this and have all their 
alumni come in and get tested if, if immediately after retirement. That's, that's, that's yeah, obviously a question for Glenn, Glenn Healy. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's interesting. We'll talk more about that, I think, in the future. But yeah, uh, sure. we have Alaison Burroughs coming up. So let's, uh, let's wrap, wrap this up and then we'll talk with this uh, Frenchie. See what he's see what he's been up to lately. Can't can't say that, can you? Frenchy? You can't say Frenchy. You can yeah, say Frenchy, can. but you can't you can't say anything worse than that. No, no, he uh, he's he's probably the best French guy I know. So he, he's uh, like, I can't I can't I can't wait to talk to him. I miss the guy. You're listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Our second guest needs a big introduction because he's a pretty special guy four time four consecutive 25 plus goal seasons in the nhl he's the 2005 international ball hockey player of the year he's the 2010 canadian ball hockey (laughs) hall of fame inductee he was the most underpaid guy in the league between 2009 and 2013 but then he was the most overpaid guy in the league between 2014 and 2017. He's the son of an Englishman, Rodney, and a French-Canadian woman, Carol. He's a, the current assistant coach of La Laval Rocket, Alex Burroughs. Le Cornet. Alex, welcome. Well, great, Andrew. You must have worked really hard for that. Good job. Burr, how's it going? Where are you right now? So we're in the Laval right now. We're about 20 minutes north shore of Montreal. Uh, this is where our um, farm team is, and um, at the rink right now, we're getting ready for a 7 o'clock game against the Cleveland Monsters. So, uh, your old uh, deep-airing partner there playing it for Cleveland now, so uh, we, you got to make sure we watch out for him. Who's you know that? Who that is? No. Sk- skill right-handed demon that took your job off the power play with the Canucks. Uh off. <laughs> Sammy Salo, a little bit younger, bigger, burger, and one of the worst card players that's ever played at our card table on the plane. Skill? Are you sure he shoots right? Skill? Shoots right. Terrible card player. You must have took a lot of his podium. It's not Yannick. It's not Yannick Hansen. It's not Lapierre. Those are the guys I took the most money off of. It's not you. So, no. So you want me to give you the answer? Yeah. Please. Ad, Adam Clendening. <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone. Oh, I, I, I was actually going to say Klingberg. <laughs> uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure he took my spot. I'm sure he took uh, the seventh defenseman spot. Uh, no, I uh, say off the power play. I think that's where he was. I think that's where Jim Benning got him from uh, Rockford. I think he thought he was going to run our power play in Vancouver, but never really worked out. But he's playing really well for uh, in the American League right now, and uh, we got to make sure we're on top of him. You remember? I'll, I'll give you another one. They got a right-handed centerman that reminds me of Kess, not as gritty, maybe a little bit more skill, and uh, <laughs> that plays for Cleveland uh, also. And we played with him as well. Played hey, Burr, Burr, as well. I, I know zero players that play in the AHL. So no, he I'm played with here. us. He <laughs> played with us uh, in Van. Uh, strong right-handed centerman that's really good in the American League. Didn't really pan out in the NHL, but he's a great guy. I'm sure you guys should know this one. Mark Schwenard. No, younger. younger. <laughs> Ontario kid too, I think. Oh, Cody Hodgson. No. <laughs> Was he a call-up? 
he was a call up with us. I think towards did, loved did he, him. Did he fight his first shift? No. And got kicked no. out of the game? No. Not that's that not, guy? That's not, not that it's guy. Not, it's not Mike Santarelli because I saw him a couple weeks ago. He's coaching. So it's uh, I'll give you – you, you guys will start. He's a good uh, guitar player and he's a good singer. Oh, who is that guy? I have uh, no clue. Uh, Delpy, Zach Delpy. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. him. He's there. Uh, he's probably the number one sentiment for Cleveland. He's there. Towards love, don't uh, Him and uh, Nathan Gerby up front and then Plendo in the back end. And then they got a so, bunch of young guys. So, uh, so I played with uh, Delpy at the Spengler Cup last Christmas, and his, his nickname was Torts Jr., because Torts told him in, in Columbus, you'll never play in the NHL. <laughs> One of the best players in the American League right now is like he, uh, for Cleveland. He's their best player, I would say. Him and Clando and Nathan Gerby are their three best players. And then they got a bunch of young guys that work hard. So we got a big test against us tonight. And um, But I'm really happy to talk to you guys. It's been a while. Hey, so um, so that kind of just reminded me of a story. We got a couple of stories I just want to ask you about because it's been a while. <laughs> no, no, no bad ones, obviously. But do you remember when you and I went to the World Championships in, in 2014? And I was thinking about this story the other day and it made me laugh. And we were playing Switzerland in a friendly game before the tournament started in Zurich. And somebody gave, somebody gave McKinnon, I think it was McKinnon, a, a suicide pass. And you were on his line. So he gets absolutely destroyed at center ice by one of their guys. So you just take off and jump on the guy's head and you're punching everybody. And then I'm on the ice and then I take a run at a big guy. Next thing you know, there's like a little mini brawl going and you and I got booed off the ice. Remember that in Switzerland? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and then Steve, Steve Stales comes up to you and I after the game who was working with Hockey Canada and he's like, you two guys just can't help yourselves, can you? It's a friendly game. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Every time the World Championships uh, used to have a, day, a week to prepare in Switzerland mostly. I think that was the game in Zurich or it might have been uh, somewhere else, but Zurich makes sense. I, and I do remember, uh, but um, it was the wild days, the good old days that I knew you were always going to be uh, there behind me. So uh, <laughs> I could do whatever I want on the ice. <laughs> so another guy that was protecting both of us was, uh, or all three of us, I should say, is Darcy Hordachuk. We got some. Have you guys stuff. had him on? No, you, you crazy? Uh, Not yet. Are you guys gonna have him on the podcast? No, you, you'll be a good I mean, storyteller. We, we'd sure. never, we'd never get a word in. Yeah, that's for sure. But you'd have like to talk uh, a dog bring that story one. up when he uh, borrowed money of his mom up the money. My mom stripped to play cards. Remember that one? That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't pay his no, we got a we got a better story about how you had two or three hat tricks in a row, and then he decided to grab one of your sticks <laughs> or, or your game stick off the shelf and cut it down and use it in practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was uh, one of the weirdest one. I remember coming to the rink and that stick that I scored all those six goals with was gone off my uh, stick rack so I was wondering where it was and I thought maybe the Canucks had took it to put it like uh, somewhere in the building or showcase it somewhere <laughs> but uh, next thing I know, I know Ordy's taking shots out on the ice and then I'm like Ordy give me my stick back and uh, it's like if you can do it Burr like I can do it too like I just need to figure it out like you're not that good Burr like if you can do it I can do it also and then I took it back and 
finally quickly realized, yeah, they probably chopped down a couple, three inches off the stick so I couldn't use it anymore. <laughs> but that was good old Ordy. Yeah, going back to the story you were talking about on the plane, though, it was the mother's trip, I remember, and we were playing poker. We were playing for a buy, say it was a $100 buy-in, and I remember Horty, no patience at all, goes all in early, loses all of his money. We allow him to rebuy because we know he's just going to donate it right back. So then he loses it again. Then he's got no money left, so he has to go ask his mom to rebuy for a third time. And she's like, Actually, what are you doing? He's like, Mom, just give me just give me eighty bucks. I got twenty. And then lost it again. And his mom lost his mom freaked out on him. Why are you losing all your money playing cards, Darcy? But no one would lend him the money also because he was so cheap and he would never pay back. So guys that knew it after a while is that cheap. That he's the only guy to steal uncut sticks from the sedines and, and put them in his trunk. <laughs> oh, I remember that was another story on the video camera leaving the building, GM Arena. Um, no, good old, old already. He had some well, good ones too. When he, he uh, go ahead. bought loose truck. Remember when he bought loose truck and driving yeah. around everywhere <laughs> with no license, no plates, and he parked anywhere in the city and Lou would get all the parking tickets? <laughs> <laughs> How about when he would bring, he would bring tours? Uh, Louis, you and Louis lived uh, in that one building. <laughs> And he would, and there was only like three or four units on each floor, and, and he would bring tours up there, and like this is where Luongo lives. This is where Luongo lives. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why they canceled like uh, visits after the after games. Remember, like we bring a buddy or two, and then like we just uh, bring him the lounge and be all cool, but. Every game, Ordi would bring like 20 to 25 people from somewhere that no one knew. And then they'd go take pictures of Lou while he was cooling off in the gym. And oh, and Lou had lost it on him a few times. The good old days. I still remember when uh, Cassie used to chirp him on the bus. Those were my favorite times. I'll buy you out, Ordi. Those were the days, eh? <laughs> hey, do you, uh, Bird, do you remember this This time? It was our first year. I think it was our first or second year. We're in Chicago. I, I, you told this story a couple years ago. And we're in Chicago. And I remember Andrea was in town. So Kess was staying at her hotel with her. So I had my room to myself. So I wake up in the morning. And there's a, <laughs> there's a couple... There's a couple across the hall having having a good time. And I stick my head out my door because it, it was so loud. And then the twins stick their heads out the door and then some of the other guests. So we're all laughing. Go back <laughs> in my room. I call your room and I go, Burr, bring me an ice pack to room, say it's 510. So I'm watching out of my people and you bring the ice pack to their room, knock on the door, <laughs> and the guy loses his mind on you. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, I do remember. You wanted to fight me. He, he, he I was followed just you all the way like down to breakfast. Oh, after, <laughs> but you remember, like, so I go in there just being a good teammate. I knew you probably had blocked a shot. You could get out of bed. You probably needed an ice bag. Good teammate. I'll get some ice for you. And then I knock on the door and had no idea. I thought you'd open for sure. And then this guy in his bathrobe that wants to fight me, he thinks I'm, like, uh, so insulting him and his old lady. So he gets so upset. And then I'm, uh, I'm like froze. I don't know what to do. So I get my luggage. I go back to the lobby. I tell the stories to the other boys. And then you remember, like 
he came down flying with the hotel manager and he's like, oh, that's him. That's him over there. <laughs> and then he almost wanted to fight me in front of all you guys. And then you stepped in and calmed him down. Well, yeah, I do remember that. Then he goes, I remember I stepped in. I'm like, hey, sir, like there's a misunderstanding here. And then he goes, you're a nice guy, but that guy, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I turned into the hero of the story and somehow you were the villain. Oh, I know. Well, that was a good one also. That was like, I think, uh, the Westin in Chicago that happened. It's really Yeah, good. That's, ex- that's the last time I think we stayed at the Westin in Chicago. <laughs> it probably got bad after that. Well, hey, that Hey, so a couple quick questions here that aren't really story related. So just curious, like serious question. Why, why didn't you take, cause I'm kind of in, I'm in the same situation, Castle V. Sue. Why didn't you take any time off of after retiring? Why did you jump right into coaching? Well, okay. So we came back to, uh, on the East coast in Montreal after my stint in Ottawa. And I always wanted to stay in uh, the game. I think I'd probably lose my mind, stay at home and do nothing really, especially like October, November, December. Like all my buddies are working uh, like uh, in the winter time in Montreal. Like there's not much you can't really uh, get out on the golf course. And that's another passion of mine. But uh, and like one of the good, my good friends that I worked out with for like 10, 12 years during summer times, uh, Joel Bouchard, I used to be coach uh, with the junior team here in the queue. And then you a little bit GM with the world junior team Canada got this job as the assistant coach in Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens. And he asked me to come along uh, to be his assistant coach. And it's like the perfect setup. I'm still uh, involved in the game. I'm about half hour from home. Uh, I'm working for the Montreal Canadiens. That's my childhood uh, team. Uh, we have a brand new setup here in Laval. So I don't think I would have gone like anywhere else to Utica or Springfield or Bridgeport just to coach, but to be a half hour from home, uh, closer to my parents' family, uh, made a lot of sense for an NCNI. And um, now I'm still working in the game and I'm really liking it so far. So sometimes I could probably maybe have waited a few years, but I don't think maybe this great opportunity would have opened up again. So Sometimes when the train passes, you got to jump in, and uh, that's what I did. And I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's been a year and a half now. We have uh, some young guys. They put so much pressure. It reminds me of uh, us three when we were younger in the American League. We wanted to get to the NHL. We all came from different backgrounds, but we really um, wanted to get there, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And there's the ups and downs of the minors. You play those three and three. They're a grind. Uh, we try to make it uh, fun, but at the same time, we want we're demanding as a coaching staff. It's similar to Randy and uh, E. Crow that works with us also. We see him quite a bit. So um, oh, yeah. I think uh, it's fun to work with these guys. They want to do well and I'm just trying to help them out. You remember E. Crow? So like, oh, yeah. I love oh, E. Crow. Yeah. E. Crow. Really good. So he was our Great minor guy. league assistant coach, and uh, now he's like a scout there from Montreal, and he's our pro scout. So when we get we lose our players to the uh, NHL to Montreal, then we're trying to figure out which guy in the coast we need to bring up, or is there any other guys in the American League that could help us out? And we're in that situation right now, and uh, with a lot of injuries. So uh, Ecro's one of the guys that still knows all like the these pro guys, and he's watched them a bunch. We, we came up in a different era, right? And Kess and I talked about yeah. this in our first episode and, and everyone's talking about it in some capacity. So what, what kind of coach do you kind of, like out of all the coaches we had, who do you kind of model yourself after? Like, who do you think you coach like? Uh, I'm an assistant coach right now. I, I'd say probably uh, Bones, like his assistant coach, try to be uh, positive. 
Uh, bones, Love even uh, New Old Brown. Like I'm in the power play guy, more forward. So uh, I think New had a lot of good uh, ideas on the power play, and he was always smiling. Even Ryan Walter, like so positive all the time. Like you know, like these guys, they put so much pressure. So if they can have a positive voice around and uh, just to help them out to get to the next level, that's right. What I try to be. But even head coaches, uh, I thought we had like four great head coaches with Crow for me, AV that was like showed us how to play the right way, how to compete every day. Uh, even Torts, like he really like I, I didn't mind Torts like when he pushed us like mentally and physically so could, we could reach our full potential. I think that was really what Torts wanted us to accomplish. That keep pushing, keep grinding, grow some skin, but like you wanted us to reach our full potential and I respect that. And you guys didn't really have Willie for too long, but I don't think Kess had it, but just you had him for a year, I think. I, I, I liked Willie. I thought like super Willie was positive a guy. super positive, always saw a positive side in every situation. And as an older guy that was like on the tail end of our career, I think like he really gave us leeway a lot of leeway open freedom to like show the young guys what it took to be nhl players and like we could do pretty much everything we want with jake or bull or stetch or the young guys we could teach them the rope and he gave us a lot of leeway and i respected that from willie so i think we got lucky even randy in the minors i think he was demanding he was hard but i think deep down he really wanted the best for us uh i remember sometimes those conversations were like tough to take you were pissed off guess was pissed off i was pissed off i thought you probably didn't understand where i was coming from whatever whatever reason but deep down all five of those guys really wanted the best for us and uh, i respect that a lot yeah like like I, I i agree with most of what you said i think there's i think coaching's tough first of all i think to be an effective coach doesn't necessarily mean that you're the most well liked but but if you think back like the first two guys you said bones and newell brown Probably and 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 Bones. I don't know. You probably know this, but he just got named the interim head coach yeah. in Dallas right now, right? So yeah. those two those two guys for me were the most enjoyable guys to play for, and those are two guys that what I liked about them, and especially Bones, because we had Bones for what seven years, and and I had him specifically as, as a D coach. Is Bones yelled at me as much as anybody yelled at me in my career, but Bones also I knew we built a relationship where I knew he cared about me. And I knew that he wanted me to actually do well. So when he yelled at me and when he showed me video and criticized me, like I knew it was coming from a good place because he built that relationship with me. And I think I think that's the way you have to coach these new kids these days. Like you have to build a relationship with them. So when you do get get on them and get hard on them, they take it the right way. Right? Like you would know better than I would. I'm the assistant coach. I always try to be stay positive. I don't go on too much on the negative side. I keep that for the head coach. But um I agree. But when we started, it seems like like you didn't hear from the coaches. That was good news. Like no news, good news. You just came to the rink happy. The coach didn't want to talk to you. You were happy. So that meant like you were doing a good job. You were you didn't have any problem with you were nowadays. It seems like we talk to them man, every day. We have that relationship that you've been talking about, that trust relationship that we want the best for them. They know our doors always open. Uh, if they need something off the ice, on the ice. They need something for their family. We're always available. We want to help them out as much as we can and try to take all the distractions away for, so they can just focus on hockey. But uh, I feel nowadays we talk to them everything. We change our deep pairings. We have to explain to them why. Like we, yeah. Everything we do, there's a reason. We try to explain it. Even if they might not like it, at, at least there's no gray zones. There's no gray areas. They don't think. And then at least they have an answer for everything. 
Cass, you're you're a coach Keller. What do you think about all this? <laughs> uh, I I mean, I want to know what Burt was thinking when I got in the uh, fuck you competition with Torts after the trade deadline. <laughs> you're not ready. Fuck you. You're not ready. <laughs> Don't worry or, about or me. Or when uh, he he tattled on Joan you. for throwing out emails. <laughs> I I'm I'm and the emails same, and I agree emails. with most of what Burr said, but I, I love Torts. Torts is one of my Great favorite guy. coaches, and but he was a really demanding coach. Like I did look forward to training camp with Torts for another year. I was sad when he got let go, but I was not looking forward to another training camp because they were so hard. But he was an awesome coach. He was the was he not the best motivating coach we had as far as pregame speeches? Like, can you think yeah, of somebody better? I know that was one of his forte. That's for sure. Like to fire up the team and get them going right before the game. He really knew where to uh, how to speak. You're speaking from the heart. You could feel that he was a, that he wanted to win no matter what. It was, and I think we bought into that, that we were like, we hated losing. So we liked another soldier on our side. The only thing towards me, I didn't like that injured guys were not allowed around the team. And for me, that was yeah. hard that year because I broke my foot the first year, the first game of the year. Then I broke my jaw later on in the year and I was wired shut. And then you're already miserable not being around the boys. Now you got to wire shut now. And then later on, I broke my thumb. So that was a tough year now being close to the boys and not being able to be around you guys on the road at home. I thought that was something that we could uh, probably have fixed easily. We could sit on here and talk a lot about Torts and Torts' stories. One about Boothy and the one about the guy in the shitter when, when I started meeting and you heard the flush. That was, that was Hank's, that was Henrik's son. That was Walter. That was Walter Sedin. Remember? Oh, remember. Yeah, remember. <laughs> Who's in there? <laughs> Jason, in Jason, there? Jason's up into the bathroom. And it was a little little eight-year-old going to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Good to, to catch up with Burr. And like I said, first time, I think all three of us have spoke together since uh, since we stopped playing together, at least. Right, Cass? Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's been... Uh... It's been a while since all three of us have gotten together and, and, and thanks for, for listening to us. So remember, go subscribe to the podcast at kessandjuice.com. We're, we're still new to the podcasting. You guys probably know what to do, but you're going to have to go subscribe to <laughs> <laughs> on our platform. Visit the site. We'll, we'll update it as much as we can. We'll make it entertaining. And then uh, at Ryan underscore Kessler uh, at Twitter. And then I'm at KBXA. And we'll get this thing going and uh, build a little momentum, right? Going into future episodes and yeah. maybe start and, taking and some. our Twitter account at Kess and Juice. There you go. Right there. Boom. And then throw us some suggestions for, for future guests if you guys want. We we'll probably won't yeah, listen to them. Sure. Probably won't <laughs> listen because we don't care, but we'll, uh, we'll consider them for sure. Yeah, for sure. Consider them and then probably throw them away. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, guys. Have Everyone have a good week. See you guys. See you.